Welcome to Jesus in Therapy. We're your hosts, Kev and Jess. This is a space where we infuse the Word of God with mental health matters. So sit back, enjoy the conversations, and feel free to follow us in our Facebook group, Jesus in Therapy. Listen, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to stay updated as new episodes are released. Enjoy. episode is brought to you by Life Options Counseling Services. If you are looking for counseling services or resources, our Christian counselors provide a rich therapeutic experience rooted in biblical foundation. For help or to schedule a consultation, reach out to us at to introduce our next guest to you all. Her name is Emery Sally. She is a great colleague of mine and she is a powerhouse when it relates to anything, anything that is attached to trauma. She is currently in private practice as a licensed clinical social worker, which she'll talk a little bit about. And she prides herself in assisting others in crossing bridges of emotional difficulty to see life-sustaining changes. So please enjoy this conversation I had with Miss Emery as we discuss the basics of how to heal and recover from trauma. Why? Because healing and recovery are possible. Yes. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to, to sit with you and just and talk with you. Such a important topic, especially being in the in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Emery Sally, I've been a clinician in the field for for almost 10 years and worked very closely with children, families, couples, individuals um, for over a 15 year period. Um, I started my career in the Child Protective Services in New Jersey and learned um, so much about trauma and devastation and pain and tragedy and how it affects our kids and families. And it really just pushed me to go back to school, master in it, and learn effective ways to to tackle this. Um, Pain is inevitable. Mm. It's going to happen in... um, no perfect life we live. However, the way we respond to it, the resources out there, who we have in our support system is is everything. And I think being in a pandemic where there is such a great level of loss Mm. um, and change and from one second to the next, I think it's it's great that we're talking about this topic today. So thank you for- of course. And so tell, tell us a little bit about, so you said you mastered in it. So tell us about the, the school yes. that you did and what, what does your credentials tell us about you? Yes. So as a licensed clinical social worker, I um, first decided to just get my master's in social work so I can learn the different aspects of the field. And although I was very comfortable at that time working one-on-one with clients, I had to better understand different theories and different ways to approach them on a clinical level. Mm-hmm. And I know that my uh, my experience in the different platforms and agencies that I was given the opportunity to grow in um, gave me a fo- solid foundation understanding into what I 
thought I was here to do. Um, a lot of my background and training is in addictions. Mm -hmm. And with addiction comes a, a really thick level of trauma mm -hmm. and mental health. So it then allowed me to become a lot more aware of different areas that I need to specialize in. Mm -hmm. So I did... Um, I did my research. I found an amazing trauma certificate program from Rutgers University. It was intense. It was, you know, 10 months long, but it really focused on a lot of different areas of trauma and how we can walk people through their trauma, the do's and the don'ts when working with people who have experienced different traumas, whether it's an emotional trauma, a physical trauma, a natural disaster. And I've just continued a lot of my training and my focus in tying in addiction, mental health, and trauma. Mm -hmm. I love how you say walk through the trauma because I think a lot of times when we, we hear the word trauma, especially people who are not familiar with the field of psychology, that word can be troublesome uh, and cause people to feel as though they're in a box and they can't be healed. But I love how you said the phrase walk through the trauma because what people need to understand is that we experience all types of traumas and it's very possible to heal from, from it. Actually recovery is very possible. And so people need to understand that we do see people heal from trauma every single day. So I love to put out that narrative because a lot of times when you hear people talk about they've been through trauma or they experience, they're experiencing post-traumatic stress disorders, um, that they're not going to he heal from it. But um, you know, we want to put that narrative out there that hearing healing is possible. You could definitely, what I say often is grow through the trauma traumatic experience and then allow that healing to inspire others or to inspire your own self to live the best life that you never thought was possible that you could live. So with talking about that, I think we need to simplify what trauma is for our audience so that they can understand what is trauma and how can they identify it? So can you give us a little insight on what is trauma? Absolutely. Trauma in, in many ways is an emotional response to something devastating that has happened. So whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's losing a loved one to an illness, whether it's walking home from work and getting held up at gunpoint, um, going through and surviving a drug overdose and going through a treatment program where you might be um, separated from your loved ones. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we see too many times sexual assaults, physical assaults, whether at a very young age, adolescent, adulthood, um, all of these can be characterized as a trauma. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important when we're doing this work that we stay away from labeling what someone else's experience is because someone who experiences a huge tragedy in their life may process it very different than someone who may be influenced, uh, was through the same experience, but felt it and experienced it very differently. Mm -hmm. So I worked with a family unit who went through one specific trauma, but all four family members processed it differently. All four family members were affected emotionally very differently. Mm -hmm. It's also important for us to understand that trauma may not hit us all in one shot. Mm -hmm. It may be something where the event happened, 
we feel stable, we feel healthy, we feel supported and grounded. And a year later to the date, it's then that emotionally we start to feel a spiral in our mental health and our ability to cope with that incident. So I think one of the first things I did learn in the field about trauma is that it's extremely individualized. Mm -hmm. It's not something we get over, it's something we get through. Yes. Well, that loss will always be a loss. We can't, no matter what we wanna do, we cannot bring that person back. Mm -hmm. What we can do is take the steps to become more and more familiar with that pain, accept the pain and learn to live with the pain in a healthy way. And that's trauma. Absolutely, I love how you, and I would like to emphasize one part that you said is that trauma looks differently for everybody. So what you may experience may not be traumatic and you may be fine and move through it. But for, for me, if we were in the same situation, that thing could rock my life and I might have to work on coping skills and mechanisms to work through how it impacted me and the way in which I frame it in my life. So I love that. Um, and then one other piece about that was that, you know, um, I think it's dangerous for us to minimize someone else's trauma and to tell them that's not a traumatic situation because trauma is defined differently by everybody as well. So whether I you know, vicariously hear about someone else's trauma and then I internalize that rather than observe it, and then now that becomes my trauma, no one else can tell me that, Jessica, you, you need to get over that. No, I, I know I need to get through it, but for me, that was traumatizing to hear that story. So I think that we need to respect everyone's different experiences with trauma. And that's actually a part of the healing process is for people to feel heard. So while we're talking about trauma and what it looks like, can you tell us what some of the signs are? How does someone know that they have experienced trauma? Yes. So just note that many times the individual themselves, they don't even know. Yes that this experience has caused them a level of trauma. So I think it's very important that when we're with our loved ones, when we know of an incident that might've happened in someone's life, some, some signs that we can look out for are very unpredictable emotional responses to even the smallest of things. Certain flashbacks that an individual may have of that incident strange relationships. There's a lot of individuals that we work with, especially in the addiction field, that have and struggle with a lot of relationships that were at one point very solid and they become strained in times. Mm -hmm. Physical symptoms, nausea, headaches, sweating, clamping, crying spells, um, a lot of behaviors that really aren't, there's no other way for us to explain it. There's no medical underlining issue. There's no pattern. There's no history of it. It's a, a physical and emotional and mental response that our body um, holds on to because of the constant thinking, anxiety, depression. A lot of it go hand in hand when someone has been traumatized or has experienced a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. I love how you say physical because a lot of times physically, we may be responding to the trauma. And so, like you said, there's no underlying response. And people, I literally just spoke to a group of women a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to them. And one of the questions I posed to them were, what do you feel when you feel um, overwhelmed or may feel the symptoms of something tragic happening to, happening to you? And then we had 
a plethora of responses. They were so variable in all of the responses. And so I said, oh my gosh, you know, this person felt like, oh my gosh, it feels like my stomach's in knots all the time. This person says, I get severe headaches. This person says, oh, I sweat through night sweats. I have insomnia. I don't have insomnia. I actually do fall asleep, but I have interrupted sleep. And so our bodies, there's this book I always reference all the time because I love this book. And I know you know what I'm talking about, but my, the body keeps score yeah. uh, because our body holds on to trauma. And so sometimes, like you said, there might be underlying medical, uh, there might not, there might, may not be any uh, medical underlying reasons for the trauma, but the trauma, our body has held on to it. And we don't understand why when we see certain images, our body clenches up or responds to things differently. Um, I think that's important. One of the other symptoms I was going to talk about a little bit was intrusive thoughts, because a lot of times you might think you're over something and then all of a sudden things pop into your mind and you're like trying to push it away, but they just intrusive, they're just intrusive. They just come without permission. And so yeah. you find yourself trying to fight, your, fight yourself from thinking about certain things um, that may startle, startle you or cause you to have unpleasant feelings. So um, I think that that was a very comprehensive list of symptoms you gave us. Uh, I wanted to point out intrusive thoughts. So can I, can I piggyback off of that? Please, please do. Because with intrusive thoughts, definitely um, a lot of a lot of my work recently has been with mothers, new mothers mm. and mothers are struggling with managing postpartum depression and anxiety. And a lot of people have the misconception that just because the beauty of bringing life into the world, which is such a special moment in someone's life and in a family's life, some people think there's no, there could never be, or there could not exist trauma and pain in such a beautiful moment in a milestone. Right. And in working closely with women who have struggled with postpartum, I find that the intrusive thoughts is an area where that has to be like one of the main symptoms that they experience. So no matter how much they're doing right in raising their new newborn, those thoughts, the negative thoughts of they could be doing better, they should be doing more, they should be doing different. Mm -hmm. um, they're constantly in a battle with themselves and those thoughts that they're having. So I think it's spot on, you're right. Like intrusive thoughts is huge when it comes to processing trauma, not even knowing that you're you're in a traumatic state. Um, but having a child is, is it's a life-changing experience. And yes, beautiful, but extremely challenging. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, and that's a whole, honestly, you could do a whole entire conversation on just postpartum depression because that's a huge, that's a huge area. It's so funny you just said it because I literally just finished talking to someone who was a new parent and they are struggling. And so, um, and this goes back to what we just said, right? It just goes back to us not defining someone else's trauma or their experience and not judging. I think that's huge, right? In the church, because when we judge, we, we are liable of impeding someone's pro progress and wanting to to you know attempt to heal that situation so yes. um yeah uh, that's a really great example of how it can be hard not to judge especially if you look at you know the birth of a new life as a beautiful thing but then this person's really struggling so it's really important that we are listeners if you have somebody in your life that you feel as though is experiencing tra a traumatic situation or has has experienced it and now have some symptoms flaring up is to listen that's it. Yeah. So this is a great segue into healing because 
in the beginning, we talked about how we want the narrative surrounding trauma, especially in a church to be that you can experience the trauma, but the, the trauma does not have to take over your life. And it doesn't have to be something that you, that you suffer with for the rest of your life. Healing is very possible. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about how do we even begin addressing um, the healing process of trauma? Absolutely. I, I, I want to say there's so many steps to it, but I think the very first step is respecting the trauma and identifying the trauma mm -hmm. and knowing that, that just for today, this trauma is powerful in my life, but it's just for today. And in time, with the proper supports, mm -hmm. lots of prayer, peer support, and awareness, healing is possible. Mm -hmm. Will it feel, will healing feel the same way every day of every year? No, and that's part of that power that it has. Yes. But if we can partner with that trauma and not neglect it, avoid it, deny it, I think that's the very first step. Mm -hmm. So in thinking of individuals who are struggling every day with the flashbacks and the intrusive thoughts and the headaches, it's who's surrounding them, who's supporting them. I don't think everyone needs medication, but I do think some people highly benefit from it and need it in the very beginning stages. Mm -hmm. I don't think therapy solves it all, but I think your chances of feeling that cohesion and that support needed in order to heal can come from a nice intimate support group for trauma victims mm -hmm. or the relationship with an individual therapist that's invested in your process, that's a third party, that's not judgmental, that holds everything you say confidentially. Mm -hmm. That's all so important. Um, again, do we get over it? No, but we can get through it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. And this is not something that I gave you to prepare because it's from experience. <laughs> One of the things that we connected on from the early beginning was that we were both PKs and grew up in the church. And you said something that was so key, like not ignoring it, but um, really just paying attention to it, just not ignoring that trauma exists. Because I think in a church, a lot of times, and you probably can attest to this growing up as a PK, that if I address the fact that I have a mental health issue or I'm battling with traumas, that I'm less saved than my neighbor. Um, and, you know, I think about some of the situations in which God walked around and he healed people. He didn't say, you're not really blind. Stop saying you're blind. No, they had a name for it, right? <laughs> and then they, yeah. then he walked forward and, and started to speak life into the individual and began healing people. It wasn't that their ailments weren't identified. They had labels, they had names for things. Those names didn't just, they didn't just um, have the name for it just because they needed a name for it. There was a name for it to identify what it was and then they proceeded to heal. And I think that we should look at mental health issues the same way you have a trauma and we're not saying that just because you trauma you're cursed for life and you don't know how to work through things you you, you haven't you're not prayed up enough no we there's a name for this but now that we have named it we could walk forward and we could start the healing process so i love how you say let's 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 call it what it is let's you know call it out partner with it say okay this is what i have all right but now this is not going to have me right 
And then we're going to move forward and partnering with the people um, that we need in order to move towards victory. Jesus, people partnered with Jesus. And I'm just getting this fresh off the, off the press, right? If you think about it, right? People partnered with Jesus to get their healing. Yes. You know, he was like a walking healing therapist back in the day, you know, people's minds who were tormented, people who were called dead, but you know, he said, nah, they just sleep. Like he spoke life into people's situations, um, literally and figuratively. So in saying that, you know, how, ha how do you think the church specifically can, can uh, help to instill some of these practices that you're saying for us to do? Yes, I think with the church and with many bodies of people yes it's passion mm. it, it's having that true level of empathy and knowing that what you see in front of you is sometimes not the person but it's their trauma mm -hmm. and if somebody makes it in the door which is what we want right we right. want the church community wants you to just show up then we have the responsibility where we need to meet that person where they are with a level of empathy and compassion one of, which I, we, I failed to mention earlier, one of the more significant effects of trauma in my experience is the inability to form healthy attachments after the trauma. Because mm -hmm. that level of trust in the world, in life, in sometimes God, right? Mm -hmm. um, it gets hindered. Yeah. And it takes and can take a while for mm -hmm. somebody to come back around and trust people with their safety and their stability. And in thinking of the church, it's a, it's a beautiful start mm -hmm. to think that somebody gets the courage to walk through that door. Mm -hmm. We need to be mindful and aware that it, it took a lot for that person to come and talk about what they've experienced. We have to be responsible with that mm -hmm. and make sure that we, we are leading with our best foot forward and not be judgmental and knowing that through prayer and cohesion partnership um we can walk someone through this absolutely uh, you know absolutely i i was just i was just thinking about um the secure attachments that you were talking about and how a lot of people have hard, a hard time uh, attaching with their attachment process post-trauma and that, oh my gosh that was a powerful point you brought up and that's another conversation to have as well uh, but this is something that I encourage people to do when they see somebody that's acting unseemly doesn't matter where they are whether they're at church whether they're in the street whether mm -hmm. they're at the store and you just like this person you're like this person's behavior is a little bizarre not not like why are they acting like this stop try to get pulled away from asking why they are, they're acting like this and more so like what happened to them that they're acting like this? Like yeah. what experiences did they have that did they, did they have that is causing them to respond to external stimuli in this way? And I think that alone brings up a piece of compassion. Um, like what happened to you that you are fighting me over this first row seat? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you know, some stole me before. Like, I don't know. But when I think about that, even driving down the street, I'm, I think of people differently who just might be speeding. I'm like, wow, why are they driving like that? No, what happened that they're in such a hurry to get to where they need to be? And that even helped me to have compassion with people on the road. Like, yeah. I don't know what emergency they're in. So 
I love yeah. that you brought that point up. So lastly, how can we wrap this up so people can take away maybe like a process or a steps or steps to attain their healing and walk away from this conversation ready to put things in action and seek the help they need? Yes. So, you know, there's so many routes I can okay. go with the question. I think typically I have found it very effective to focus on the three phases of healing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives instead of the five or the 10 or the, mm-hmm. you know, 20 things we can do, I focus on three. Mm-hmm. And that's if we're, if we meet someone or someone in our life is struggling with a trauma, phase one is securing their safety and stability. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the hierarchy of needs. It's like if they don't have their basic needs and their basic safety, there's no way they're going to get self-esteem or love and belonging. Mm-hmm. So that's phase one. And sometimes phase one can take a really long time, depending on how severe the trauma was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Step two is remembering and grieving. So individuals need that space and that time to grieve, whether it takes a month, a year, three years, no one should be in the position to tell them how, when, where to grieve. They may need to remember this individual and celebrate this individual's life. And so many people find such creative ways to do that. Let them do it. That's what makes them feel safe. That's what makes them feel stable in that moment. And in time, they can go on to phase three, which is restoring relationships and not only relationships with others, but relationship with self. If I feel safe and I feel like I'm given the space to grieve properly, I'm innately going to get closer to myself, my relationship with God, my relationship with my family members, my relationship with my coworkers. But if I don't feel safe, my relationships with self, coworkers, God, friends, family is not going to be secure. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be that much harder to get through this trauma. Mm-hmm. So three phases, safety, stability, remembrance and grievance, and restoring relationships. And tell us how people could get in contact with you. We know you have a practice and um, I'm not sure if you're accepting new clients because I know you're very, very busy. Yes. But please tell us how people can get in contact with you if they want further help. Yes, um, I'm, I'm always open, even if it's for a quick consult or mm-hmm. just need, you know, some some resources or if I can help with identifying resources within your community, which whichever community you should be part of. Um, I would love to either you, I could share my email address, Sally at gmail.com. I do work very closely with a couple of organizations that are doing amazing work, depending on what you're looking for. Um, We offer telehealth and in-person services. So feel free to email me directly at emerysally at gmail.com. And I can direct you. I can identify and personally help you if there's anything um, that you're finding very difficult to walk through in life. Thank you so much, Emery. I'm definitely going to make sure I put your information in the show notes. Um, this will be aired next week. And so I just want to thank you again for just being so willing to share your expertise and really being someone who is an agent of change regarding the healing process for individuals who feel as though they have no other way out. Um, you are definitely a frontline worker um, for the body of Christ and 
secularly and I appreciate all of the the wisdom that you have so until we meet again yes listen everyone be bold be well be strong we will talk soon and thank you so much Emery for all thank of your you. kind words and your expertise thank you thank you for listening please feel free to visit our website at www.b-welltoday.com and don't forget to like share and subscribe until next time be strong be bold and be well Thank you.